0: The big inside is a proud supporter of Give Strength. The fitness industry generates billions of dollars a year, literally. But while companies get rich, all that money rarely goes towards anything outside the industry. And right now there's a lot of causes in the world that could use that strength. That's where Give Strength comes in. Give Strength empowers athletes in all types of lifting sports to generate fundraising towards causes they truly believe in, raising awareness and funding through the enthusiasm for lifting and strength sports participation. Through exciting events, challenging social campaigns, and good old school lifting, Give Strength is changing the flow of money in the fitness industry towards causes that matter. Meanwhile, Give Strength allows athletes to earn true financial sponsorship. That's right, cash money directly towards your own personal progress in the sports you love just for being a leader and generating funding for causes you believe in. Give Strength is changing the game of strength and bodybuilding one life at a time, one dollar at a time, one cause at a time. Get involved and learn more at givestrength.net give strength. How your strength gives strength.
1: The Big Inside is brought to you in part by Saisei Sports. The world of strength and bodybuilding is full of hype, but big claims, bold statements, and bright spotlights aren't what makes these sports great. What sparks your passion is the ability to take your best and make it even better. And believe it or not, there's a word for that, Saisei. Saisei Sports is dedicated to improving the world of strength and fitness through innovative ideas, building local community and delivering elite standard supplements like their premier product, RECT pre-workout formula. RECT is not filled with hype and surprises. Read its label and you'll discover complete transparency, a product made of higher doses of ingredients than any other pre-workout on the market and maybe in the world at ratios backed by science and common sense. Discover why more and more strength and bodybuilding athletes aren't just trying RECT, but staying loyal to the product that may just be changing the world of lifting for the better which is the SciSafe Sports mission. Learn more about Rect as well as learning about other missions SciSafe Sports is undertaking at www.SciSafeSports.com. SciSafe Sports. It's your best. Reborn better.
2: Today on The Big Inside, we get sold hard on being the best in the world. Of course, spoiler, you know how that's going to pan out, or rather, doesn't pan out. Plus, the show literally gets hijacked by a baby you're about to experience the next workout for your ears and it all begins right now here we go it's another monday night somewhere and you know what that means it's time once again for the big inside broadcasting live from the (laughs) I'm back and we screw up literally in the first phrase broadcasting from the world famous public alley 701 in the win-it-all-cost city of Boston, Massachusetts I'm Christian Mady, a.k.a. XN and this is The Big Inside an ongoing discussion that intersects and connects what transforms the body with what transforms the world and then turns them both inside out we're all about the conversation, not the education. But with our luck, you'll probably end up learning something along the way. I, I don't believe I blew it out of the gate. There goes the Peabody. We're never getting a Peabody Award for broadcast journalism excellence. But I am so glad that we're back. I mean, it was a long wait for this new season, a long wait. So I'm just blown, I'm flummoxed. I'm gobsmacked and so glad that you're all still with us. And I'm really excited for today's show, which sort of starts our new season off with a, a whole bunch of voices, you know, like the voices I'm always hearing in my head, a, a bunch of voices judging you, always judging. No, but first, before I get into all that, as always, I want to thank all of you folks who follow us on Facebook, a.k.a. the suburbs of the Internet. I kind of think we need to get ourselves on Instagram, too. Like, the more I think about it, I think I need an Instagram because that's you know, that's where the kids are. Uh, But the point is, thank you. Thank you, specifically. Didn't think I could see you, but I can see you because the voices, they judge you silently. No, thank you, seriously. Please, 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 you keep sharing our links and our whatnots online and everywhere because we really want the show to stay on the air. Now, if you haven't, told a friend yet about the big inside do it now like right now go we love how you guys keep sharing our show and that's probably the most flattering things you guys do to keep us rolling i mean i'm it's humbling it's it's just awesome but we really want to stay up inside your ear holes and we're dying to get up in your friends holes as well god that didn't that did not come out right but you totally get what i mean anyway do us a favor To kick off our new season, please go online right now. Pull up your interwebs, or at least soon, and copy the link to this show. You can grab that link from our website, thebiginside.com, or from, like, Google Play or Stitcher or iTunes. But not from Spotify, because they're snobby idiots who won't carry indie shows like this. Sorry, hipsters. Spotify is a corporate shill. Good gum. But then, after you've copied that link... Take it and share it on your social media walls and whatnots or or on your Facebook friends wall or send it to an enemy on LinkedIn or just whatever, wherever. We're still independent, so we still need your help to continue growing. And your loyal subscriptions and downloads help keep us alive. That's right. Subscribe to us as well. So help us out. Subscribe and share away. But that's it for announcements. I'm going to be sure you guys did not come back for announcements. I mean, you guys are great, and we're psyched you're back, but let's get on to the big deal. That's why you're here. This week, the opener of the season was an idea that's been kind of bungling around in our heads for a while. Because of the voices. No, enough of the voices. This is an idea that we sort of had because, you know, we're always talking with people and the research for this show. We're always hearing ideas. and We kept on seeing a common thread, a thematic going on there, and that's you know what our show's about. Now, fair warning, it gets a little cynical, and it even gets a little dark at one point, like existentially speaking, but just stick with it. Just ride it out because it definitely rallies. Anyway, we're really proud of it, so let me shut up so you can have a listen. Here's this episode's Big Deal.
3: It's like, I think at any time, especially when you're young, you have no other responsibilities in life. I was literally in college only prepping for that show. So it was like prepping for, in my mind, like the Olympia, like this was this was it, you know, like you, you took the year off. I made drastic improvements. I thought, um, I loved the way I came in. It was awesome. I thought I was there and I was gonna, I was gonna do, do the best that I've ever done, placing-wise.
2: What is it that makes us interested in committing to a goal? Like, what makes us so sure it's the exact right option for us?
4: Well, at that time, I, I had just finished law school. So I, I live with my parents in, uh, like Northwest Jersey, like way out by Pennsylvania. And I was commuting to Staten Island every day. So, I mean, that's like three hours each way. I would come come home, go to the gym at nine o'clock, you know, train for an hour, cardio for an hour, go to bed, wake up, do it all over again every day. We can become so sold
2: on a certain goal that it will literally reshape how we see things, including how we see ourselves.
5: I came in feeling really, really great. Um, I worked really hard training for it. And my goal that year was to qualify for nationals.
2: But then there's an irony when we become so dead certain that we're doing things the best possible way that we, meanwhile, can't even anticipate when they end up going, well, the opposite of best.
5: I came in, I PR'd every single event, and I came in dead last.
2: That's Bezad Bekshande. Now, don't worry about it. He makes his name a little easier to remember.
5: My name is Bezat Bakshande. Everybody calls me Bear, and I am a strength athlete. I am currently a manual therapist and leather worker out here in central Massachusetts.
2: Now, wait, before you think leather worker is something kinky or bizarre, let's let Bear at least explain his career a little bit.
5: Um, I do get quite a bit of uh, requests for BDSM (laughs) implements, I would say. Implements is a good word. Is, is, um, that, is that what the kids are calling
2: them? Implements? All right, I'm in. I,
5: I guess. Well, they implant something. I don't know. Good
2: gum. <laughs>
5: <laughs> but I own Bear Claw Leather, which is a leather store, online store, I would say. I would just work out of my house. Well,
2: you've gone this far. You want to plug it? Yeah.
5: So, oh, bearclawleather.com. Sorry.
2: <laughs> well, there you go. But this isn't all about Bear and what he does for a living. This is about what happened when Bear was convinced that going for that national title was the best possible goal he could strive for. Because, like he said, things didn't go quite according to plan.
5: Okay. All right. So, um, three years ago, it was up in New Hampshire. It was, yeah, eighth uh, Granite State Strongman Championships. I'm I'm kind of small height-wise for the super heavyweight division but I'm tend to be the heaviest out of everybody there. So I'm short. I'm short but I'm fat. Um So
2: there's a lot of bear to go around.
5: Yeah, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of me. Yeah. So Yeah, so every every event um I would just have a new PR, a new PR, but I would come in dead last
2: which is totally possible. You see, for those who aren't familiar, a PR is a personal record, a personal best, which means you've lifted or done something better than you've ever done before, but it doesn't necessarily mean other people aren't doing their best and therefore doing a little bit better. And that's how it comes about, that someone can be completely shut out of placing at a contest after ironically bringing what they had thought was their very best ability. I mean, when you face a challenge, you always bring something of yourself that you know is of very high merit. And it's only logical to presume that merit is valuable in a contest situation, right? But then sometimes, something different happens when the recognition goes out. Something that sort of shifts the merit of our merit. This is similar to what happened to Will, that guy from New Jersey you just heard from a little earlier.
4: Hey guys, my name is Will Pirelli. I'm an attorney in New York and New Jersey, and I'm a competitive bodybuilder on the side.
2: Now for Will, it was a different sport, but the same kind of blind ambition
4: that got him in quite over his head. Yeah, that's, that was the first national show I ever did. Uh, Team Universe in 2015. It was at uh, the Marriott in Teaneck. It's like a huge venue. They... They used to hold the Knight of Champions back there, like I guess back in the day. So it's like a pretty, it's big and it's a pretty good bodybuilding venue. And, you know, it was like the first, my very first national show. It was, I think it was my fourth show. And um, like I remember showing up for weigh-ins and I'm like, oh my God, like what am I even getting into? Like these guys are like enormous. I was like blown away just at the weigh-in by, by how big everybody else was compared to me. But, like, I didn't even want to, I came in a suit because I came right after work and everything. And, like, people asked me if I was supposed to be there. I, I mean, I knew I wouldn't really bail, but I was, like, I was shocked. I was, like, I called my coach after and I was, like, I don't know if I should do this.
2: But Will did go through with the competition, obviously. And he didn't do that poorly in the placing. Well, I, I ended up coming in second. However, this wasn't the placement Will thought he needed to get he was convinced that the only good outcome for a competition is the top prize, that the only good outcome is first place or nothing.
4: I need to win, yeah, I need to win. Like, even at, I did Junior Nationals this year, which is like a pretty big show, and I was second in my class and people were congratulating me, and I'm like, what are you congratulating me for? I lost. You know, like I, I need I need that first place yeah it, that show was in June and I still have my pass um, in my gym bag I look at it every day so like the second the second only makes me like more fired up and I'm thinking about it like every lift as crazy as it sounds I, w- I wouldn't give up I think it would just make me train like a maniac I that Sold,
2: hard sold, completely buying into it, first place, the title, the prestige. This is the only good outcome. You can be your best, but your work is not worthwhile until they say you're worthwhile, whoever they are that control these things. When does this get taught to a person? When does this get sold to a person?
3: I still, to this day, think it was a woman. It was the best I ever looked. But apparently that day, the judges didn't see it that way. This is Dave, also from the top of the show. Hey, guys, it's Dave Farwell. My full-time career is an insurance broker, but I would say I'm an amateur bodybuilder uh, in the NPC. Um, That's about it.
2: Dave has also been sold on that idea in the past that the awards and prestige we can receive from someone who we consider the authority on the matter outweighs the personal value we hold for our results. Which is why it was likewise frustrating for Dave that his sense of merit for his work hasn't always resulted in gaining the
3: prestige you
2: might think merit should
3: be awarded with. It was in 2014. It was the Cape Cod Gaspari show it was great. Um, I mean, I think it, it was a great setup, a great venue. I actually love the Cape show. Um, so I was 22 I, I did the junior class, I did the novice class and the open class. And I still, I still look back at pictures and I mean, I'll always be biased against the competition, but I thought I'd beat almost everyone in my class. Um, and I placed fourth in the juniors. Um, so they give you a trophy for top five, but at that point, it just was a complete letdown. I think the novice, I don't even think I placed, no, I did play, I have it, my trophy's right here, actually. No, I didn't place. Yeah, juniors, juniors was the only thing. I placed fourth in my juniors, I didn't place a novice, and I didn't place in the open. But he also didn't put the trophies away.
2: They represent something. Pride. Accomplishment. A job well done. An objective set and an objective pursued. Those trophies represent that there was value to his effort. So then, why is it that we still think that someone else has the power to determine the value of our work. Why do we buy into this idea that someone else determines our value more than we can determine our own? Well, here's another way to imagine it, another way to look at it. Think of what you can buy at a grocery store, how all those packages and labels are competing for your attention, This one has more flavor. That one has better ingredients. This cracker will make your family happy and love you even more. That toothpaste will make your smile so bright that you will finally find true love. So many packages, so many messages. All targeted and aimed at our emotions, all trying to make us think that choosing them will make us, well, better. But meanwhile, have you also noticed that no matter what you pick, no matter what brand of soup or which kind of frozen broccoli, the store is still making money off you? I mean, can we even be sure that the store has the best possible, I don't know, hamburger, lemons, the best possible anything actually available to us? In spite of what all that marketing is claiming, we have no actual guarantee that what we pick in the store is truly the best option for us as individuals. In spite of all the choices we seem to get, the biggest message is the one that we typically overlook completely. That no matter what you choose, it's someone else who's getting ahead. And so the more our choices get limited by the market, the more someone else is gonna make money. Because whether we want to admit it to ourselves or not, The dance we all move to in our culture is played by the tune of capital, money. Whoever makes the most profit will decide what is best for us as individuals. I know it sounds cynical, but it's also pretty true. Capital is what determines what choices we have. And if those choices are limited, or if the options don't quite fit what you really need, well, you still have to pick something. So. Even though you make your own choices using your own logic, you still can't be sure that you pick the absolute best option for yourself, because usually the choices we're given themselves were already predetermined to give someone else the advantage. Like, you don't decide what the actual best bread is. You don't determine what the universally ideal olive oil is. Someone else does. Someone else limits your choices so that they can get ahead. You're only picking what you think is the best out of a limited set, which may not necessarily be what you'd pick for yourself if you had all the options laid out. So someone else, trying to make money, sets up your options for you, and then the game begins. The game of all that marketing and advertising and promoting options to you, they all go to work trying to convince you to sell you to pick that bread or these meats or those apples And even if you don't pick what they claim is the very best, well, that's okay, because they still made their money, right? Yeah, the game is rigged. Now, sports are kind of like this as well. Well, the organizations that arbitrate competition are like this anyway. In order to make profit, they have to convince people that their prize is somehow a better thing for you to pursue than just pursuing the sport for other benefits it might possibly give you. Leagues and organizations need to really sell you that their trophy is not only more important than anything else you can do in a sport, but is actual somehow proof that you did things correctly. And if they can't convince you of that, well, then they won't make a dime. So they try to narrow your options. The Leagues try to make such a noise that you literally only see the option they choose to put in front of you. The option to chase their trophy and overlook any other options you might actually have. And soon you buy into it. Like Will did like Bear did, like Dave did, and you think that the very best thing you can possibly do in a sport is win in a league. You get literally sold on the idea that a prestige title that someone else made up is the ultimate standard for your own work. When you spell it out like that, it seems a little ridiculous. And, you know, it is. In fact so ridiculous that sometimes the ridiculousness slaps us right in the face.
6: I remember being in the car and just looking at my dad and we're just laughing at each other like, okay. This is Vic. Hi, my name is Vic Kazupi. I am a physical education teacher and a natural pro bodybuilder with the WMBF.
2: Now, when Vic came into the game of amateur competitive bodybuilding, he very quickly saw how those prestigious titles and trophies were actually hardly a representation of true merit. In fact, they seemed almost to be given out
6: arbitrarily. You know, this is this is my, maybe my third time competing. Um, we, we got second place in the, the lightweight division, novice, but sixth place in the junior or like, well, what's up with this? See, what
2: happened is he was considered worse than a fellow competitor one moment. then literally moments later was named better than that same opponent.
6: I placed sixth place in the junior division and then placed second place in the lightweight novice division. Like I lost to him in the junior, but beat him by three spots in the in the novice. We were laughing. We're like, this is so backwards.
2: And it is backwards. Because when we go to a contest, we generally expect that those who are organizing the event will be, you know, at the very least, reasonable in how they allow that contest to play out. Whether the rules of the game are upheld by a referee or arbitrated by judges, the whole idea behind engaging in organized sports is that the organizers of the sports make sure those sports stay organized. After all, these are people who claim that their trophy or their prize or their title or whatever is somehow the best in the sport. So logically, being the best in the sport you'd expect the contest would be just as prestigious as that claim. I mean, you'd think that. But you see, it actually doesn't have to work that way in real-life amateur sports. The way it really works is this. The leagues just have to convince you that it's only by winning their top prize that your work will have any merit. As long as they can make sure you're sold hard-sold on that idea, completely sold, that the only good outcome you have is the choice they give you, then they know you're going to enter that contest anyway, whether they do a good job of running it or not. All they got to do is sell us. Just get us buying into that idea that their trophy is the best trophy and that their trophy represents your work is truly of merit. Once we're convinced of that, well, game over their job is done. They make their money, or whatever they need to get, and don't have to worry about whether the contest they ran was actually even representative of the best in the sport at all. And we buy into it. We just keep buying into it. I mean, we all talk a big game about our personal best, but meanwhile, we keep getting fixated on these prizes, as if the prizes were actually the indicator of our personal best, as if someone else who we've never even met could even determine whether our work is of merit. So, is that it? Is that all there is to take from this? That we're all just sold? That we're all tricked into an idea of chasing trophies that don't even necessarily match with our personal merit? Is I mean, is the final conclusion that stark? That we're all just, I don't know, sheep in some capitalist conspiracy of organized amateur sports? And instead of engaging these sports that inspire us, we should instead just walk away? Like, as if from now on, a trophy just means nothing and a title means even less? That any sort of competitive prestige is a fraud and we should just tear it all down, forget about it all?
7: I've seen some people that push themselves to complete breaking points to win a contest. And after they win, that contest they've pretty much killed themselves on. They haven't competed again.
2: Like, maybe we should just grow bitter and, I don't know, move into a basement and play video games all day and just hide away from this mean, mean, unfair world. No, 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 that's not at all where this is going. Not at all. But I get it. So far, I've definitely been painting a pretty bleak picture here. But this story is not about the existential crisis of whether or not winning an amateur contest is a good thing or a bad thing. I just needed to point out how there is a huge disparity, like a massive, gaping chasm of disparity, between how to estimate your personal progress in a sport and the prestige of a trophy in that sport. Because what this story is kind of about is how maybe there's actually something to be said about jumping right in and confronting that disparity.
7: I see like a lot of the athletes, they're there to have fun. They're to basically compete against other people, but it's more, it's, hey, I do something different than everybody else.
2: Oh, by the way, this is Jim. You heard him just a little bit earlier as well.
7: Hi, uh, this is Jim Pierce. I'm uh, the New Hampshire Strongman Corporation State Chair and have been competing for over 15 years. And uh, I'm a manager at uh, PetSmart.
2: Yeah, did you catch that? He is the state chairman of an amateur competitive Strongman League. So here we have someone who not only participates in amateur competition, but who also runs competition. So, like, you know the them we keep mentioning in this story? The ones who arbitrate what is merit within Strongman? Well, technically, Jim is one of them. But, ironically, Jim has a notably non-prestige-driven take on why he sees people continue to compete and why he competes himself.
7: I get that asked all the time. They're like, oh, why do you do Strongman? I'm like, because it's fun. And I'm like, you can't take it too seriously because... I'm like, I'm never going to be a pro because I know that just because of my size and I'm not going to be able to put on enough weight to get pro status, but I enjoy competing and enjoy going out and competing against a lot of the same people. and It becomes almost like a family atmosphere with a lot of the athletes because they always do the same contest or in the same area. So you know everybody, and everybody starts to know the families and the kids and the grandparents and everything else. So it becomes like a big, large family that everybody just gets together that weekend, hey, go lift some heavy stuff.
8: Well, the funny thing about it is I feel like sometimes people just don't know where to put this in you know, in the proper perspective in their lives.
2: That's Justin. He's like an old friend of the show.
8: Hi, my name is Justin Senesek. I work at a... Uh a factory that makes infant formula, and in my spare time I pretend to be a strongman.
2: Well, full disclosure, Justin does more than just pretend to be a strongman. I mean, he's been competing, primarily at the amateur level, for, oh, I don't know, like over a decade, I think. So, what is it that keeps Justin so engaged with competing? I mean, is it because he wants the prestige of a significant win? Does Justin keep competing because he's trying to achieve some competitive triumph? a renowned title a big trophy
8: i this is a hobby for me it's something i do for fun i mean granted i get to the competition and sometimes this starts slipping out of my mind and it's just like i want to fucking win god damn it that i won't deny that doesn't happen but i mean like perfect example i did connecticut strongest and we're coming to atlas stones and it's like i'm exhausted at this point cuz i just look at the guy who was first place i said you know As long as I don't zero the stones, I got second place. I'm not going to win if I take first place away from you on the stones, So I might just go do one lift and just stop. The funny thing was I get up there and I'm like, I lifted the first one. I'm like, oh, this is fun. So I just keep kind of leisurely lifting. I'm not really pushing it, but frankly, it was fun. And I really wanted to lift a lot. So sometimes good sense goes out the window. And that was one such example.
2: good sense going right out the window. But did it really? I mean, it was a dumb move in that it kind of put Justin at risk for injury. He was exhausted, and he was, like he said, kind of revved up only by the idea of winning. And that's the idea we always get sold on. But like he said, something else happened. He started having fun. And that began guiding the work in the contest. So yeah, I mean, it wasn't good sense if he wanted to win, but maybe it was good sense, you know, in a different way. Because we've already been seeing how the need to get that prestige from competing can really cause things to get botched up. So maybe the good sense we need to win isn't always the best sense for what we need to get ahead.
6: You you can't control who shows up. You're only gonna disappoint yourself. You can't control uh, what the other guy did. You can't control how long they've been training. You can't control their diet, how they peaked. All you can control is yourself. You know, were you better than last time? Did you leave no stone unturned? Did did you um, did you? Uh, Hold on one second. We got
5: Amelia here. <laughs> Amelia,
6: you want to say hi? Hi. Hey Amelia, what's up? i Mama's
2: <laughs> You're you're absolutely wow. right, honey. Wow, it's, it's, she literally holds herself together better on the air than I do. Yeah, I we know. We gotta
6: right. get her. We gotta get her a podcast. <laughs> we got we gotta get her a show. Okay, honey, go see Mama. Go see Mama. Okay. I'll be right out. That was brilliant. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah, that's well hey this there's, there's uh there's the number one reason why uh why we do everything we ever do right there.
3: Yeah, you know, I tell people regardless whether I ever get a pro card or not, I just I just love this stuff. You know, I think the people who like really love it will always stay. Um but fads come and go and people can do it and stop in 3 years or so. I mean, I've been grinding, not missing meals training five days a week I absolutely I absolutely love it because it's just it's I don't know it's just the grind and the discipline of it it's like a drug
5: you know I have never seen the amount of camaraderie Uh, I've seen people competing like a a two-lane yoke you know one guy will finish and then he'll walk back and you know, be motivating the guy he was just competing against to finish. Um, In Highland games, you know, we're all so supportive of each other because you're out there from first thing in the morning, you know, eight o'clock in the morning in a, in a kilt in a field just throwing rocks and, you know, and, and it's it's one of those things where everybody's giving each other tips, you know, you, you have, just like powerlifting, you have three tries. So after your first try, all of a sudden, all these people come to you, oh, next time do this, next time follow through. I mean, these are people you're competing against and they want to see you do better, especially if you're new in the sport. You know, I've only been in, in Highland games, you know, uh, a couple of years now and, and it's, it's really taken over my my, it it gives me everything I want out of strength sports without the anxiety
7: (laughs) yeah I do it for fun because like I said I've done over 100 contests there and it's like to the point where you got to just have fun like a couple years ago I did 13 contests in a year and half of them I didn't even know the events when I show up I just have a local promoter go hey we need another master can you jump in I'd be like, okay, sure.
8: (laughs) Hmm.
2: All sounds pretty level-headed. All sounds a lot less like people getting caught up in the chase for prestige that we were talking about earlier, and a lot more like people just focusing on their own merit. So how does that switch happen? Like, how does that happen? We already saw how the thing that lures people into competition is the thrill of winning, the chase of prestige, trying to get that trophy. We get sold on that idea, hard sold. And it gets so ingrained in us that we lose sight of what's really important. And then, like we keep seeing, screw-ups begin to occur, and setbacks, and it's all because we bought in so hard to that chase of prestige. So then, how come so many of the athletes who stick around the competitive system somehow circumvent it, they somehow connect with personal merit as their motive? I mean, the game was rigged, right? We already saw that. So how are these athletes somehow not getting trapped in that game? It seemed like a setup at the start, like a setup to burn the athletes out, to dishearten them and make them feel discarded. The system of prizes and prestige seems to be a literal recipe for discouragement. And yet so many stories of growth and enthusiasm seem to come from it. So, what gives?
4: What gives? You know, I just want to, like, I mean, all you can do as a bodybuilder is be better than you were last time. So, like, that's usually every other show I've improved, like, drastically. So, you know, I, I, the placing, like, I wouldn't have been mad if I came in third because I felt like I, I deserved either one. Definitely didn't deserve first. It's not how it works all the time.
6: The shows that I had the most fun at were the shows that there was zero pressure by other trainers, by judges, by family members. It was, you're gonna go pro, you're gonna go pro, oh, it's coming, it's right there. And those shows weren't fun because it was a little, I felt like I was letting other people down. The, the less pressure you put on yourself, the, the more you'll just enjoy the sport, the atmosphere, you'll just soak it in.
3: I feel like the reward for bodybuilding nowadays, getting your pro card and all those things are actually doing more damage to the sport. It's not like it used to be where there was um, a certain amount of people that were rewarded for all the hard work that really goes into it. And nowadays the world wants more money and more money, so we'll give out pro cards easier because they're $400 a card. That's more money for us.
8: Yeah, I get it. I mean, if it sucks out, if it's starting to suck the enjoyment out of why you're doing it in the first place, there's really things like that. I could see where that definitely could hurt a sport or hurt the the original point is to enjoy yourself. And it, it, at the end of the day, I mean, you're just breaking it up and you're watering, you know, down the notion of a title. What's the point at that point?
6: As far as other people's view of hashtag pro card hungry, right? Or hashtag you know whatever you know it, it's just it's kind of lame to me you know it's like what are you doing this for you know what once you get that pro card you gotta step on stage with those pros and have you seen them lately <laughs> like, you know <laughs> and, and not to mention too maybe it's your, your first second year of competing settle down take your time to get there Because ultimately, the the prestige, whatever it is you're looking for, you won't, you won't survive. That won't make you hungry enough. Huh.
2: So you won't survive unless you're hungry enough. That is, hungry enough to keep competing. Hungry enough to keep pursuing your talent. The secret here is actually not at all what you might have expected. The only way to get out of that obsession with prestige, the only way to not get caught in that dark little trap, is to actually keep going. And while that may mean staying hungry for the work, you meanwhile have to avoid starving for the prize. And the only way to do that is not to turn away. It's to keep going. Only by sticking with the competitive side of these sports were these athletes able to not define themselves by their wins and losses, but rather define themselves by their personal merit. And at the end of the day, that's how we'd all wanna be defined, right? And it's true for anyone really, that we'd rather our merit be the measure of our worth and not just be known as a list of prizes. I mean, sure, winning is awesome. The drive to win is motivating, like Justin said. And it can be fun, like Jim said. And it can give us structure and stability, like Dave said. So it's not that wanting to win was ever the actual problem. The problem is only when we want the prize. Kind of like wanting the wedding, but not wanting the marriage like wanting the car, but without knowing how to drive. It's when we think that the title we win defines our merit that we set ourselves up for a greater failure, or for loss, or for confusion. And it seems that the best way to get on top of that thought is not to simply avoid competing. The way to not get lost in that setup is actually to keep competing. Sticking with it is what allows you to get a better measure on the prize. And with a better measure of the prize, you're more likely to see how it can't quite summarize what you get from chasing it. What we get from the work is different for all of us. I mean, some get a sense of purpose, some find a family, some discover hidden talents And some others just find a regular bit of fun to break up their work days. And this is nothing new. I mean, we all know this. That when we pursue something persistently, it's bound to reward us sooner or later. In one way or another. But in the case of competition, the rewards come a little after the cynicism arrives. Like, we kind of have to let that machine of organized sports work us over just a little bit. Not too much, just a little. Just so we can see how it really isn't promising anything we couldn't get on our own. But you have to experience that. It can't really be told to you. You have to engage that machine in order to figure out how to control it but only by mastering that machine will we end up getting the real prizes. And they're not prestigious prizes, like they're not titles, they're not trophies. They won't make us famous on social media, and they're not gonna make us the greatest ever in the sport, but they will make us better, a lot better. As long as we don't buy into the idea that the prestige of winning is the measure of our worth competition will reward us thanks again for stepping inside the big inside we'll be back again real soon to give your life a blue ribbon by smashing it into physique sports that one wasn't too bad that time anyway we're about to do the little insider but in the meantime before we get that started uh, like we said at the top of the show Keeping this operation afloat relies on you. You guys are incredible listeners. So please help us out, won't you? For example, now, I did not know if you knew this or not, but when you leave a review for a podcast, it actually helps that podcast get more traction. So head over to like iTunes or Google Play or wherever and throw up a review for this episode or even just for the whole show. I mean, it's like a huge way to help us stay afloat. We'd super appreciate it. I'm down on one knee here. We may even read your specific review right on the air if it's saucy enough. Also, don't forget, sharing is caring. So share the link to this episode or any episode of The Big Inside, which obviously you can grab from our website, thebiginside.com, or from Google Play or Stitcher or iTunes or wherever fine podcasts are purveyed. Post it over to Facebook or Twitter or wherever, or post it to a friend's wall, or post it to an enemy's wall, or a stranger, or whoever, I don't care. If you love what we do, we need you to help us. And likewise, if you love what we do or hate what we do, we kind of want to know. So contact us. Become a big mouth. Drop us a line. Like we said, leave us a review. Go to the website. Send us an email. We just want to hear from you guys. If you have a show idea, if you have some cool thing you want to tell me, we'll get it on a show. I'm serious. I mean, I'm serious about that one. So head on over to the this episode show page and leave a comment or, you know, Drop us a line via thebiginside.com. We want to hear from you. And as we've mentioned millions of times before, The Big Inside is independently funded. We don't have some big mom and dad sponsor helping us. It's you guys. This stuff doesn't come for free either, even if listening to it is free. So if you like what you're hearing on The Big Inside, Please consider dropping a few bucks in our virtual bucket of love. I mean, there's all these ways you can share, you can leave reviews, but the money, now the money is going to really help us. So go to the website, thebiginside.com. Inside, big you can just drop whatever you want in there, any amount, any amount. Your generosity is not only appreciated, we will chat you up on the air. In fact, why not take advantage of our growing audience? It's really growing. That I'm not lying about. That's not hype. We are growing. So if you got a little business or something, a little project, why not hump our leg? Why don't you make your business or your organization or whatever, have them sponsor us? Oh, there it is. We have a really huge audience, and it's growing. Like every episode, boom, up it ticks. So why aren't you representing your products and services to this vast audience of ravenous listeners i mean they're like-minded with your brand so why don't you contact us over at the website because we'd love to sell your stuff and karma is real become a sponsor now you're waiting for it here it is the little insider As regular listeners know, we like to end each episode of The Big Inside with what we call The Little Insider. It's your curated little nugget of an idea that we rip off the folks of our show. Basically, it's where we take something we recently did, we recently saw, we recently ate, we recently thought, or whatever, and turn it into a recommendation for you guys to maybe go try or do it or just experience the wisdom of our fine, fine guests so let's, let's just start with Dave. I mean, he opened the show. So let's start with him. Dave, what do you got for your little insider for this episode?
3: Waking up every morning with a positive mindset. And how do you do that? So about a month ago, I went to Ohio for a work event. So I had to wake up at 5.30 to do cardio in the hotel. And as I was doing cardio, I put on this YouTube motivational video that said the first 20 minutes when you wake up, you can program your mind. To be whatever it wants to be. If you want to be positive and you know work hard, you can program your mind to do that. So every morning when I wake up, I instantly put um, wireless earbuds in my 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 ears, and I put on motivational YouTube videos, and I'll listen to that while I'm getting ready for work in the morning. So really, that's and, the
2: recommendation. Uh, like you know, get the get get yourself some good motivational things, and but keep that as a habit, so that you're always
3: reprogramming your mind towards something positive. So you have to, yeah, it, it has to be a habit every day because. If you don't do it, then like, if you wake up and hit the snooze button on your phone, then you're gonna program your mind instantly that you can procrastinate throughout the day. Like the Kai Green saying, "Thoughts become things." If you really think you can achieve it, then you can, but it's gonna take hard work. Well,
2: I don't know if like Kai Green was the first person to actually say that's pretty old advice, but yeah. <laughs> but that's I mean, hey, that's a good motivational video. All right, but now let's we've got a lot of guys to go through here. Let's go to Jim. Jim, what do you got for your little insight for this episode?
7: Actually, I just changed all my training around a little bit so that I'm actually incorporating more cardio type stuff. And, um, signs of age, signs of age. We need more cardio. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I know. And, And I was joking, but you know, you
2: can't be as ballistic when you're older. You can still be somewhat ballistic, but you have to sort of change your approach. Is that sort of what's happening for you? Oh yeah, definitely.
7: Yeah, definitely. I've changed my whole training around from even four or five years ago where everything was Contest weight, have to hit contest weight, have to go heavy. Now it's build up more repetition. The strength is there. It's just you got to build up the endurance and then every once in a while throw in some heavy stuff here and there.
2: So your little insider is lift your own damn age, people.
7: Yes, basically.
2: Lift your own damn age. <laughs> yes that's awesome but now let's uh who do we got will so what do we got will what do you have for your little insider for this episode
4: well like workout wise recently i started like i cut the volume a lot and um only have maybe like five max effort sets of workout but like everything i have goes into those five sets and i think it's like i'm in and out of the gym in like uh 40 minutes and i'm dead and i think that's like um like just a smart way to train for the off season you know Well, like, instead of instead of doing, like, 10 working sets for biceps or something, you know, you can just do two full force max effort till you want to puke, and you're going to get more results in less time. I like that. See,
2: a lot of times people do really deep things, so I like that you did something, like, really practical.
4: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Thanks, Will. I'm not, no problem. Sh- <laughs> I'm not saying you're shallow, but thank you for finally not doing, like, read this philosophy text is what I usually get.
4: Oh, um, no, I don't have any philosophy <laughs>
2: awesome all right well now the bar is set let's uh let's go to bear bear what's your little insider this week let's see if he's gonna go deep or shallow Uh,
5: this is hard because all i've been doing recently is just going to school so (laughs) So school school could be a good
2: school's a good one everyone should go back to school right
5: yeah so i would say here's my little insider trust somebody new nice
2: you did go deep what's that about what's that about um
5: i have been one of those people my whole life who have told myself that I hate relaxation massages. I hate getting Swedish massages. And now I'm in school for massage therapy and we're learning one of the best Swedish techniques I've ever learned. And I'm actually implementing it in my athletes that I'm working on and I'm getting amazing results. And this is a relaxation method that I'm implementing into sports specific stuff. I love it. I love it. So I would say trust somebody new and try something new
2: dude that's perfect (laughs) you nailed it dude but let's uh, let's see what justin senesac's got justin what what do you got for people what's your little insider for folks this uh, episode
8: lately i've been taking up jumping rope it's it's just a form of cardio i can do in a very short span of time it gets my heart rate up and it doesn't really beat my body up with all the lifting that I do so basically I get a lot you know I get the I just think it's a nice quick concise cardio and it's got some athletic carry over to strongman as well it makes my feet a little quicker and
2: also uh, it's fun to do rhymes <laughs> No, <laughs> I don't. I don't come on. I don't
8: talk to you unless I, I plan on getting picked on just a little.
2: No, I'm not picking on you. No, no. And I, I, I think more people should jump rope. I think that's a great recommendation for people to try. That's a great little insider. But now, finally, let's uh, let's go to Vic. Vic, what's your little insider for this episode? I mean,
6: to to not be like redundant, I, I've been focusing on my family. Nice. You know, like I, I have my time for the gym, and I utilize it. I make the most of every second that I'm there, but when I'm home with my family, it's t- it's taking the kids out, it's spending time with them, it's spending time with my wife. Um, everything else is secular. Nice, you know, and it's it's helped me uh, kind of refocus, recalibrate my compass. Nice. So um, stick with the family. Yeah.
2: You're telling everyone to go home and kiss their mom. I love it. Yes, yeah,
6: that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Moms <laughs> need more kisses. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yes, as do I. But uh, that, that's great, Vic. And guys, I appreciate it. Great little insiders. Great recommendations. Try some or all of the things you've heard, and uh, that's pretty much our show for the week. Today's show was produced, as always, by the Physiculture Collaborative, who don't just chase trophies, but instead silently judge you. Like we're doing right now, the silent voices are judging you. don't no, no, enough of that. Music in today's episode was all Creative Commons licensed and provided by OC45, Middle Mountain, Graphic Melee, Jason Shaw, Stephen Coombs, and Ben Sound. Please, please check out all these genius artists online at places like Bandcamp and YouTube and SoundCloud and the like. Their work is not only incredible, but some of them are actually friends of mine. That's the workout for your ears for this episode. I'm Christian Mady, a.k.a. XN, for the Big Inside, reminding you that no matter what you do on your outside, what makes it big is what's found on the inside. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you later.
4: You're going to say goodbye? Goodbye. Thank you. Thank you.
5: You're very welcome. Thank you.